so the idea is healthcare technology, if employed correctly, is going to help us become more inefficient in healthcare. Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar with Rehab U Practice Solutions. And if you are an innovative healthcare organization, maybe a technology device or software company, and you want to align your technology or software with your targeted healthcare stakeholder and create differentiated value messaging to guide your marketing sales and product content, check out uh, the Market Penetration Roadmap. It is where we help you do just that. Basically, our four-step process guides you from idea to this is something really valuable and cool, and we know that we can uh, serve in the healthcare and make money in the healthcare uh, industry and make some money while doing it, all the way to this is our target market, this is how we're gonna make money, this is the product or the, the roadmap to profitability um, by targeting this specific segment in healthcare. Um, if that is something that you're looking for, um, check out the market penetration roadmap. We've also done this with organizations that are outside of the US and are looking at making a play at the US market. This has been pretty effective for them as well. If you are looking at just getting some polishing work done on your uh, positioning strategy, maybe you're looking at going to get some investors or you're looking at just putting a refining touch on your unique value proposition for your technology, check out the positioning uh, alignment workshop. This is just a 90 minute workshop that guides you through, again, our, our process to put a fine point on answering the question, value to whom, um, and then positioning your tool, software, deliverable, whatever it happens to be, in the minds of your prospective uh, clients. We, we will give you a, uh, a positioning deck, if you will, um, following that, that ends up basically answering all of the questions, what you do, the problem you address, how the problem is solved today, why your uh, solution is hopefully simpler, cheaper, or more efficient, um, why your solution is going to work long term, why is it going to be profitable, how is it going to be profitable, what makes you think it's going to work, what's the business case behind your uh, solution, um, and then again, your unique value or how you bring unique value to your customers and clients. So if that that's interesting or int uh, something that you would be interested in, check out the Positioning Alignment Workshop. You can find that at positioning.rehabupracticesolutions.com or the Market Penetration Roadmap is at strategy.rehabupracticesolutions.com. Okay, this week is really me just having a conversation with you about something I've been thinking a little bit on since I gave a presentation or was preparing for a presentation that I did at a, a university research event this week. 
And the idea stems from understanding um, just technology's application in healthcare and what it means for us as providers or provider organizations and the like. And I'm just going to toss it out there and then kind of unpack it a little bit from there. So the idea is um, healthcare technology, if employed correctly, is going to help us become more inefficient in healthcare. What do I mean by that? A lot of the drive in really the fee-for-service model of healthcare is this idea of high volume, high efficiency, high utilization. And all of the plays in the marketplace, um, all of the tools that are being developed, the software that's being developed, the applications, seem to be focused on this model of improving efficiency. We're going to cut out the wasted time or the repetitive um, tasks or automate things that can be automated to free up time. And all of that is wonderful. I think that's great. Um, I think the focus, however, needs to be on what that technology is going to empower clinicians to do. So what do I mean by that? I mean that if the only solution you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Um, every problem looks like a nail. In healthcare specifically, to kind of understand this, the bulk of, especially in the United States, the bulk of healthcare revenue is driven on a fee-for-service model, which means I bill as a provider, bill a CPT code, that CPT code is for a specific service, that gets reimbursed at a certain rate. Now, some of those services are time-based and some of them are service-based. We're not gonna get too much into the weeds with that, but what you have to understand is that if you're not billing these codes, you're not getting reimbursed. So there's obviously a, a big incentive on the organization's side of things to be as efficient as possible and bill as many uh, units as ethically possible, which means that the game in healthcare for highly profitable organizations is one of high efficiency and high volume, high, high productive capacity, high, pro high productivity. On the payer side of things, when they're looking at their own balance sheets and their profit and loss statements and wondering, man, the cost of delivering care or providing care, or providing the benefits to our members is going up and through the roof. Um, the cost of the administrative load and the regulatory load is getting out of hand. What can we do? Where can we cut costs? The only real lever that the payers have is, okay, we can either authorize less treatment, so cut back on the amount of treatment that is being delivered, and that is easier said than done in some cases, <laughs> especially if it's medically necessary. Um, the other lever that they have is playing with the reimbursement rate, right? So, okay, if we can't cut back entirely how much treatment we're authorizing and we're paying for, if we're paying less for that treatment, it's going to save us money and we're going to make up some of the costs that way. Um, and that's been kind of the game in healthcare for the last, you know, several decades, right? Payers are going to decrease their costs a little bit or decrease their reimbursement rates, which means healthcare providers need to become more efficient, see more patients, bill more, bill more units. And it's this game of kind of race to the bottom, if you would. It puts a lot of downward pressure on organizations 
because now they're seeing if they're seeing the same amount of patients as they did last year, they're going to make less money. And sometimes it's going to pull them into the red. So now they have to become more efficient. They have to become more, quote unquote, productive, which means they need to build more units. Some of what healthcare technology is going to allow us to do and is already allowing us to do is begin to explore different revenue models like value-based reimbursement, um, whether it be a shared savings uh, system or sa shared savings program or like lump sum payments or the like. But putting that aside for a moment, um, what has the, the drive for this efficiency done in healthcare? What it has done it, it, is it has taken away or it has reduced the amount of quote unquote non-billable time for clinicians, which on the surface and maybe to an MBA sounds wonderful. It means we're getting the most productive capacity out of our clinicians. What it means in a real human sense, and I write about this a little bit in the book, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare, which you can find on Amazon or on the website, shameless plug there. But what it means is that the time that is quote unquote non-billable often is that dead time where clinicians and patients can connect on a real level, right? Um, perfect example. If I have a patient coming into, I run a, a own a, a physical and occupational therapy clinic. A lot of our patients um, over the last several years have been patients experiencing some form of some form of chronic pain. Um, if they come in, if a patient comes in for an evaluation and um, they maybe there's other psychosocial issues that are and there often are in chronic pain that are affecting their their lived experience, their functional outcomes, their dysfunction, whatever it happens to be, their pain levels. There's only so much that I can quote unquote bill for in a normal, uh, physical or occupational therapy treatment when it comes to that. Part of that is uh, just because of the way the CBT codes are and, and what they what they cover. So it means that if I'm in a situation where reimbursement has gotten so low that now I either need to double patients or overlap patients or just cut back on the amount of treatment I'm providing to each patient, that dead space is now gone where I, maybe I had five or six minutes to listen to this patient understand their situation, maybe provide some validation um, to help them take the next step in their recovery and their rehabilitation. That time gets squeezed and squeezed because it's all about getting as many units as I can out of each patient, which means the clinician stops viewing patients as unique individuals with those complex set or web of circumstances, um, those psychosocial factors, and we begin looking at them as diagnoses, right? Oh, it's I've got a back patient coming in at 10 and then at 10:45 I've got a knee patient and that's how we have that's how physical therapy kind of dresses it, right? Not to paint with a super broad brush, but it's just one of those it's a risk that you take when you play the high volume game is that you reduce people, unique people that have that are complex, uniquely complex down to just a, uh, a list of symptoms or dysfunctions or measurements even that we need to get. Um, in order to, you know, to, to bill for, to address, and then hopefully have, have positive outcomes. So the drive in healthcare, this, this drive for efficiency, while being beneficial at some level, can be detrimental if all you do is focus or the entire focus of the organization becomes this 
efficiency at all costs because what happens is the human element of healthcare gets missed. So when I say healthcare technology is going to allow us to become more inefficient, what I mean by that is maybe it does remove some of the documentation burden. Maybe now a clinician is able to document in uh, a note in five minutes instead of 10 minutes, whatever the case may be. Um, That extra time can be used for a couple different things, right? You can pile more patients in and bill more, um, or you can use a little bit of that time, a portion of that time, to focus on relationship building, on that dead space between the, uh, you know, with the patient and the clinician. And what that does long-term can be very, very positive. Um, the research is, is fairly clear. We've written articles about it. It's on the website. I talk about it in the book have covered it in in the podcast before, but a a patient's uh, hope or um, outlook on their own recovery is very uh, predictive of their actual clinical outcomes. And one of the things that has a very strong sway or strong influence on whether or not a patient believes uh, recovery is possible or that their outcomes are going to be favorable is the clinician that they are that they're working with that relationship you know what the clinician says the words that clinicians say matter what we do and don't pay attention to matters how we say things to a patient matters that's all very very well documented in the literature and in a situation where i as the clinician am just trying to cram as many patients as i can through the door so that my boss doesn't get on my back so I can hit my productivity numbers so that I can keep my job and get paid. Um, Sometimes that means that I'm not saying the things that need to be said or that a patient needs to hear, or I'm not, you know, even present enough to take into account those little um, clues, those nuggets that a patient is throwing out in their conversation with me about things that I might want to dig into. Um, you know, the, the idea of like behavioral change and maybe motivational interviewing, motivational interviewing doesn't happen if all I'm thinking about is, okay, I've got to get you through this exercise or this program to, to be able to build this code. So the, the efficiency that healthcare technology can bring to us, some of the software, some of these tools can bring to us really opens up the space for some of that relationship building to take place. And then for me, as a, as a business owner, as a consultant in the space that's seen a lot of this done well, the, the thing that I go to in my mind then is, okay, we've got this technology, it's freeing us up in a lot of ways. What does this do to our business model? Because now instead of um, having to spend a lot of time doing maybe mundane or low value services and treatments, we can focus on those higher level things. So. Um, remote techno- remote therapeutic uh, monitoring is an example here where it helps us as clinicians, specifically in the, in the physical therapy space, occupational therapy space, it helps us uh, establish and monitor and promote a continuity of care throughout the patient's plan of care or course of treatment that is not dependent upon them being in the clinic all the time. Not that we never see them in the clinic, but that you can see the patient less in the clinic, which some people kind of freak out because again, they're on this fee-for-service model. If I'm not drilling, I'm not billing. What am I going to do if the the number of visits go down? Um, 
the reality is if, if you're capturing these remote therapeutic monitoring codes, and we're not going to get into the, the weeds about that, we did have Stephen from uh, Sarah Health on the show a couple episodes ago. We'll link to that in the show notes about how sometimes the, what the data that they're seeing, they do remote therapeutic monitoring or they, they, they're a platform that allows for uh, physical therapists to use remote pay th- or bill for remote therapeutic monitoring. What they're seeing in some cases is that visit count per course of care might be going down, but net profit margin per course of care is going up. So there is a, a correlation there. There's something to be, to be explored there, which is awesome. And that's in a fee-for-service model. Um, but what about things like value-based re- reimbursement schemes? Maybe it's a shared savings program. Like that seems awesome to me. You're seeing the patient less than the national average, which means you're going to get some of that shared savings back from the payer. And you're already making more from a margin standpoint, from a profit standpoint, for that individual patient in that specific plan of care, which also helps the business here and now. But then what does it do to the patient? The patient is getting better quicker. They're having a a more positive experience. There is more connection by just nature of what remote therapeutic monitoring is. Maybe it's messaging back and forth. It's monitoring and adjusting the plan of care in between visits so that there's this this sense of connection between the clinician and the patient or the the, the client and the and the clinician um, but then it also opens the door for as a as an organization to explore things like lump sum payments right if i'm in a situation now where i know that i can get a patient better in 5 visits instead of 10 visits well now i can begin to explore some of these lump sum or global service fees that if I was going to just take the standard patient with a standard, let's say a knee replacement diagnosis or something like that, and plug them into our normal way of doing business two times a week for six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it is, we end up losing money in the long term. The, The lump sum now becomes more attractive because what it means is that some of this technology that it's allowing us to monitor patients, to manage plans of care without the patient necessarily needing to be in the clinic, frees up a lot of capacity for the clinician. Now we're seeing less patients, right, in the clinic or less treatments or, or patients for less amount of time or less number of visits. What does that do? One, it means that for this course of care, we're gonna, the margins are gonna be better from a lump sum standpoint, right? Um, but also it means that we can fit more patients in. And I mentioned this in the, uh, in the presentation that I gave, and one of, uh, I could see a couple people's eyes get, get big when I said it, but I was like, the reality is, like this is specifically for ancillary healthcare, physical therapy, occupational therapy, allied health, that, that was the audience that I was speaking to. I said, the reality is like the treatments that we provide the actual treatment sessions are the lowest value we provide. Um, you can see that not only in like, well, the main reason you can see it <laughs> is because the payers themselves reimburse at different rates, right? So as a, as a therapist, the highest uh, reimbursed service are the evaluative or the consultative um, consultative codes. And what is the reason for that? The reason for that is that like I, like I say on this podcast a lot, like I've said in the book, the value that clinicians bring to the table is not so much the technical skills. You know, anybody can search. Um, I come from the upper extremity rehabilitation world. Anybody can search. What are the best exercises for rotator cuff impingement? What, what are the best nerve glides for carpal tunnel syndrome? 
that's not super, super valuable stuff for me to tell a patient. What is valuable and what where clinicians bring the the bulk of their value to any kind of patient encounter engagement is the the fact that there is this vast array of knowledge about what is effective, what isn't effective, what works, what doesn't work, et cetera, et cetera, right? Vast array of technical knowledge. What makes us valuable as clinicians is the fact that we're able to take that technical knowledge and apply it to a specific patient in their specific context on their own unique road to recovery. So instead of getting the WebMD version of the most you know, effective exercises for your rotator cuff injury, we're able to look at the patient and say, given these other factors that you have going on, maybe we do this treatment program instead, or maybe we adjust these exercises in this way, or maybe we adjust the reps, the sets, whatever it is. There's a lot of individualization that can go on. Um, that comes from the clinician's uh, clinical expertise and bringing that, it's not just the clinical expertise, it's the fact that we bring that clinical expertise to bear on a specific situation, a specific patient situation. That's what makes us really, really valuable. So what I said in that in that presentation was basically like the the value that we bring as clinicians, like we should not be doing the bulk of our our. Um, time should not be wasted on daily treatments. Like a lot of that stuff can be monitored from afar, done remotely, managed remotely. The bulk of our um, of our time should be spent as clinicians doing the high value stuff, which is um, the consultative element, right? Evaluations, reevaluations, progress updates. Um, discharges if if needed. And even what the remote therapeutic monitoring codes allow is for some of that, right? It's it's the long-term vision. And we've got a, a call or a, an episode coming up here in the next couple of weeks with a, an organization. And um, the, the founder basically said, we want uh, therapists to become like case managers. And that really is the value that we would provide as clinicians, right? If we can look at a, a patient's specific situation, not only lay out an effective plan of care for them, but then also be able to manage them throughout that course of care without necessarily needing to bill another copay or bring them in for another hour's treatment, that's wonderful. It helps the patient. It's saving them time, energy, and money. Um, it's saving the payer for for the the visits that are not being billed for. And then hopefully it's saving the provider organization in that it frees up a lot of time for those high value, high impact services. It's a win, win, win in, in my way of looking at it. So, um, and then that freed up administrative time that is you know, freed up either from the from a tech standpoint, from things being automated, or maybe you know, uh, clinical decision making aids or documentation assistance. That time then can be used for that higher, not only higher value, but that that inefficient time, like responding to messages or answering uh, client or patient questions, or just spending time building relationship, um, because you because it's built into the just the nature of having some more free time like you're if you're not trying to herd cattle through a big processing plant but you're looking at individuals um, as unique persons on their own unique road to recovery and you're enabled to do that because of the efficiencies gained in some of these other areas by healthcare technology um, it can be very positive in that regard as well so 
that's a long, long discussion there, probably longer than it needed to be. Sorry about that. Um, it's just something I've been thinking about a little bit uh, recently in preparing for this. Uh, the, the, the presentation was called Technology Enabled Care, like a vision for the future or a view of, of recent re research or something like that. Um, for me, looking at it, like th this was at a university, so I was talking to some of my former colleagues uh, when I used to be a professor, and they were like, yeah, we're... You know, we're talking about you know ChatGPT and AI and and you know how much we should be or shouldn't be allowing it in the university and what it means for clinicians um, as they enter the workforce and like what should we be telling them about this and and all of that. It was it was very interesting. My way of looking at it is like there's two ways of viewing the tech and healthcare problem, like problem the tech and healthcare issue. One is like as a clinician thinking like, oh my gosh, it's going to replace me. It's going to take away my job, yada, yada, yada. And I think the reality is if you're doing low value stuff, probably your job is going to go away. <laughs> I look at it as a, as, a, as a business owner, as a consultant, as a clinician myself, like what is this technology or this tool going to allow me to do? It's going to allow me to focus on that high value, high impact stuff. And that excites me. What excites me is the fact that I know that sooner or later, whether it be because uh, payers are kind of put into a corner where they're uh, forced to pay for some of these services or the, the um, organizations themselves, these provider organizations are able to become more efficient, what's going to happen is the way hopefully that we pay for healthcare is going to change. I mean, value-based reimbursement is coming. They've been saying that since I was in grad school though, 12 years ago. Um, Technology, some of the the applications of technology is going to make or are going to make um, moving towards value based reimbursement and value based care much more doable for healthcare organizations because of the efficiencies that it's going to provide. But then also by a, by increasing some efficiencies in some areas, it's going to allow us to be inefficient in other areas. It's going to allow us to take that extra time to to establish those relationships with patients because again, that's what it really should all be about. So when I think about healthcare technology and software and tools and the 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 outcomes that it's going to have or the effects that it is going to have on healthcare as a whole, my hope anyways, and I'm I'm an optimist in this regard. Like I think that what you're going to see from a, a patient side of things, like we're already seeing this a little bit, is the desire and the drive for relationship, for being able to build relationship with their clinicians. Technology is going to increase the efficiencies in some areas of the practice, so much so that it will allow clinicians to be inefficient where it matters, which is the human connection. So anyways, that's all I've got on that topic. If you like the show, normally I say head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, but I'm changing that now. I want you to share the episode or share the show with somebody that you think would find it entertaining or valuable. We've got tons of episodes to choose from, so go back and look even. It doesn't even need to be this episode. Um, find one, share it with somebody. Let me know you shared it with somebody. Hit me up on LinkedIn or something like that. I'd love to ha have a conversation or, or just hear that you're, you find the show valuable. Um, 
if you're, I'm going to, I'm going to say it again, but if you want to learn more about just the way the underlying drive behind this episode and, and some like it, check out the book, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare. The whole idea of um, relationship building in healthcare was, was a big piece of that book. And um, maybe we'll, we'll have a follow-up book in the years to come. We'll see if I can get my, my butt in gear when it comes to writing again. Um, and if you are an innovative healthcare company and you are looking for a positioning strategy or market penetration or go-to-market strategy, um, I'd love to have a conversation with you and find out if there's an opportunity to work with you. And you can do that by either going to um, rehabupracticesolutions.com um, and there's plenty of links there to, to book a call with me or just finding me on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn. My name is Raphael E. Salazar 2, um, and you, it should be easy enough to find me there. Um, until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.